This could very well be the luckiest boy alive. His mother put out a plea to local Jeepers and got a lot more than she bargained for. Do you know what to expect with your first time wheeling? We'll find out about what to expect and what not to do on your first time out. And don't forget to share the Jeep Talk Show with your friends. Just tell them to go to jeeptalkshow.com. You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network Podcast. Are you ready? It's the Jeep Talk Show with Jeep Mama. Are you sure? Josh. Yeah, I don't think so. And Tony. I think that's a huge deal. So sit back, strap in, and brace yourself. You know, it doesn't matter if you have a Jeep, want a Jeep, or driven anything but Jeeps, this show is for you. Josh, Tammy, Wendy, and myself are here to inform and entertain you while we talk about Jeeps, of course. Hey, I'm Tammy, a.k.a. Jeep Mama, living the tiny home life. <laughs> hey, I'm Josh, and it turns out I just may be a prophet. You can just call me Nostra Joshmas. <laughs> howdy, and howdy, it's Wendy, and turns out there are water crossings in dry Southern California. <laughs> I counted 30 water crossings on the trail we did this week. It was awesome. Hey, I'm Tony, and I've never been forced to apologize to a judge. Well, not officially, and not, not like in court or anything. Local Jeep News, National Jeep News, and news from around the world. It's This Week in Jeep. So if you're a Jeeper, then undoubtedly Google's search engine's algorithms inevitably route more Jeep and off-road related news and advertising your way over the course of, well, your online internet lifetime. Now, if that's the case, then you will have likely noticed that this week, it was pretty hard to ignore the onslaught of reports about the latest IIHS, or Insurance Institute for Highway Safety, video. This video is one of those infamous white room crash test videos where this time a 2019 Jeep Wrangler JLU is put through what is called a small overlap front driver side crash test. The vehicle is hooked up to a device that pulls it along with a specified trajectory to initiate a specific kind of crash against another object. In this test, the Wrangler is catapulted at an immovable object, basically a giant solid steel wall set in a way so the Jeep would strike the wall on the driver's side, but not all of the driver's side, just about a quarter of it. Now, back in 2012, the IIHS added this specific test to its criteria for testing a vehicle's overall safety rating. The test you'll see in the video is, is designed to replicate what happens when the front left corner of a vehicle collides with another vehicle or an object like a tree or utility pole. Unfortunately for the Wrangler, its pure beefiness and overall resiliency is proven once more as it just plows right through the accident and keeps on going <clears throat> on its side. And it kept going on its side, despite being crashed and knocked down on its side, until it slid into a barrier and was stopped. I personally call that a prime example of tenacity and determination, but the IIHS calls it a safety hazard, and quote, <laughs> presents an unadditional injury risk beyond what the standard criteria are intended to measure in a small overlap frontal crash test. A vehicle tipping onto its side is not an acceptable outcome. Meh. What do they know, right? Unfortunately, it's this flop is why the Institute downgraded the 2019 Jeep Wrangler to a marginal rating in that particular test. It's not completely all bad, though. It is still one step above poor, which is the worst rating, so I <laughs> guess it could be worse, I suppose. And what is worth mentioning, though, honestly, is that the passenger safety cage and driver injury measurements were all given a good rating despite the Jeep flopping in the crash. Good is the IIHS's highest rating it can give in its tests. There is no gooder or goodest, despite what your five-year-old may have told you. 
What this means is that despite going for a ride on your side, you'll be well protected, having likely not sustained any life-threatening injuries, and be in a situation where you can extricate yourself from the vehicle. And you know what they say, any crash you can walk away from is a good one. In addition to the, uh, we don't want to, but we kind of have to, rating in the one test, the overall full results for the 2018 through 2020 Jeep Wrangler, drumroll please, show it was rated good on four of the five crash tests. In response, FCA stated that it has produced more than 500,000 of these Wranglers, and that out of those half million Jeeps on the road, FCA is unaware of any incidents that correlate with the vehicle dynamic portion of the IIH test results. In other words, FCA is basically saying, oh, that's a cute little test you got there, <laughs> but we don't think so. Does this mean that the IIHS skewed the tests? Was the Jeep propelled faster than other vehicles? Was the barrier it struck angled in a way that might help deflect the Jeep differently than in other tests? FCA's comments are, of course, of no surprise, but they do raise more questions than what we will likely ever have answers for. You want to check out the video for yourself? We will have the link in the show notes for this episode at JeepTalk.com. So I don't believe in the no-win scenario, Josh. I think this uh, the Jeep, the test Jeep, should be outfitted with some sort of laser or blaster so it can have a fighting chance <laughs> against that wall. <laughs> Mad Max style. Seen, yes. <laughs> I've seen similar tests, and and vehicles are oftentimes just utterly obliterated yep. and and stopped in their tracks. Just, I mean. It turned into a hunk of metal. Looked like you stepped on an empty pop can on the sidewalk type of thing. And the Jeep is not that at all. Uh, the front corner does collapse in this test. You can see that, that you know the the ubiquitous crumple zone that that they always talk about is well in effect. And and virtually the entire driver compartment area is is unscathed. I mean, it doesn't really deform much. It, there there's really not a whole lot of deflection. Uh, it's really quite impressive. The airbags do what they're supposed to do. You can see multiple camera angles uh, throughout the entire video. It's only about two and a half minutes long, maybe something about that. Uh, but uh, but it gives you a few different perspectives, and you kind of really see what it would be like to be in this kind of an accident. And uh, honestly, I've been on roller coasters that look more violent than this, so <laughs> maybe it's not all bad. Well, and I have a question for you. So hmm. with it kind of going on its side and sort of moving, taking that momentum and maybe dispersing it as it moves along, is that actually better for the occupants as opposed to a well, head-on stop, which could be more well, violent for the body? I don't know. That's yes what I was no, thinking. But, yeah. but you got to also uh, think about, okay, when that vehicle is sliding, you know, did it just go over a crosswalk? Is it now in a drive-thru? Mm. Is it in grandma's living room? Um, you know, there's, it's not just about the people in the video or in, inside the vehicle. It's also about, you know, who would be on the sidewalk, uh, what would be happening, um, you know, as this vehicle is continuing its slide, uh, what is it going to hit, what is it going to strike, uh, you know, does it plow through a bus stop, does it end up in the storefront, you know, I mean, there's too many yeah. other factors that that uncontrolled slide can produce. But this is also inside of a, of a tiled floor, a, con a painted concrete floor, uh, you know, it doesn't have the, the, the resistance that asphalt is going to have. So yeah, the Jeep is going to slide 40 feet into the corner. It's, you know, it's, it's kind of a no brainer. Uh, if that was, you know, out on the interstate or, or, you know, on an arterial road or something like that, chances are that slide would have been diminished by, by factors, uh, just because of the, you know, the fact that it's not a smooth painted concrete floor, it's a rough asphalt roadway. So I'll, I'll mention this, that you didn't include in the story, two of the three technicians at the site during the test, uh, asked, uh, are you going to part that out? 
and yeah. uh, <laughs> and the, I'll, I'll take it. I'll make it a trail rig. <laughs> right. <laughs> Buy that back, right? It's just that's a right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine being the guy that built, helped build that Jeep and that's just thrown at a wall? It's just, it's so sad, you know? It's a death of a Jeep. Although I'm sure they get something out of it. Uh, uh, I don't know. Maybe they trash it like they uh, uh, they seem to trash so many uh, well, the, the older Jeeps. You know, they've got to have a whole fleet of these things because there's a minimum of five tests. And, and each test has to be conducted a minimum of two times. So this is a minimum of 10 Wranglers that they wow. crash. And at a minimum, sometimes this the tests will be done in triplicate or, or more. Um, so, I mean, we're talking, you know, 30, 40, 50 vehicles. Who knows uh, you know, how many they crashed oh, during these tests. I do know that in this specific test, they did at least two um, because they, they said that they, um, in, during the testing, there were two results where the, the vehicle flipped over. So, I do know that at least twice they did this specific test. Now, obviously, once you crash a Jeep like this, it's not like you can, okay, let's set it back up and, and you know, we'll do it again with just the, the same vehicle. You clearly have to have a an entirely all new vehicle to do the test over again. So, uh, or to do another test, as it were. So, yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of trash jeeps on the uh, on the grounds of the IIHS testing testing grounds. So they actually should uh, start the initial testing with aftermarket bumpers on a lift, and then I think it might survive that a little bit better. <laughs> they would have to get the new facility. <laughs> just, just put a Toyota up there instead of a wall, and you, we know what oh, happens to the when the the Jeep runs into the back of the Toyota. Not much to the Jeep. <laughs> So I figured right now uh, we could use some some feel good stories and stuff like that. So I, I've got a pair of them, and Tony, I don't know if we if we've got time for for you oh, know, all sure. three stories, but uh, okay, well we'll get to the first one here. We'll see what happens after uh, after we get done with this. So um, a nine one one call came in around seven thirty p.m. Monday, uh, according to Connecticut State Police. The woman was behind the wheel of a gray Jeep Grand Cherokee Laredo, and her daughter was with her in the front passenger seat, about to have a baby. The recording oh. of the call has been made public, and in it, you can hear her saying, I'm driving down I-91. My daughter, her water just broke. I'm flying down the highway. Lori Linares, a, the state police dispatcher who took the call, mentioned that the soon-to-be grandmother sounded absolutely frantic, but she was trained on how to handle these kinds of situations. The Jeep was headed south on the highway, and the woman driving didn't think that her daughter was going to make it. Thinking there was no other option, she pulled over with the 911 operator Linares still on the line so she could wait for troopers and an ambulance to get there. Her daughter, now clearly in the throes of labor, was having none of that plan and insisted that they keep driving to the hospital. She pulls over, 9 south, exit 33, Linares said. We had troopers on the way, but her daughter was yelling at her in the Jeep to keep going. So grandma took off again. It's not long before the grandmother said, oh my God, he's coming out. Linares calmly gave her directions to pass along to her daughter, telling her to lay back in the front passenger seat. We don't want the baby on the floor now, the dispatcher said. Then Linares got, on, got another update. The grandmother, clearly very nervous, said, I'm pulling over because I can feel the head. The grandmother pulled over again, this time on I-84 West at exit 48 Asylum Street. She ran around to the passenger side of the Jeep to help her daughter. Loud screams of agony can be heard in the background, and the grandma yelling, He's out! He's out! I've got him! I've got my grandson! Somebody come help me! Linares told her to make sure the umbilical cord is not wrapped around the baby's neck, and to wrap the baby to keep him warm. The baby's neck was clear, and the only thing the grandmother had to wrap him in was a jacket, but it was better than nothing. There were more tense moments when the baby stopped crying, but it wasn't long before the shrill sound of a newborn's cries put everybody back at ease, including the police who had just arrived. 
The baby boy, James, and his mother are okay and are at the St. Francis Hospital and Medical Center. It was the first time in 25 years an emergency dispatcher that Linares was able to see through a delivery from start to finish, she said. Wow. I don't, I don't know about you guys, but if I was the, the cop pulling up, I'd be really happy that baby done be birthed when I got there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, you got you got the, you know, right, I got right, here. You guys we'll got just, it. All right. We'll I'm just wait for the ambulance and uh, sit over here and have a donut, you know, so. <laughs> So yeah. is she going to name him Laredo or, you know, <laughs> <laughs> something? <laughs> That's a good one. I, I, regardless, man, this is a brand new Jeeper for life. This kid was born in a Jeep. I, I think he's, yeah. his destiny is written in, as far as that goes. So and I, just a side note, the mess and cleanup, I just don't even want to go there. And yeah, well, I'd like to be, some, I'd like to be a fly on the wall whenever, there. whenever they uh, take that jacket to the cleaners and say, Hey, can you oh. get this out? <laughs> It's just birthing material. Don't worry about it. Don't so, worry. So, you know, the, 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 the question that wasn't asked was the umbilical cord, was it uh, steel or synthetic? Oh, good Tony. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Jeep, man. Oh, man. It's not like she can reel him back in. <laughs> well, not with, not with that attitude. <laughs> Where there's a will, there's a way. That's right. <laughs> We're darn it. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. So we, we got time for one more? Absolutely. Okay. All right. This is a good this is a feel good story. I, I think this one will be uh will, will be a fun one. Now the Jeep community in Troutman, North Carolina and beyond came together last Thursday to surprise and help celebrate the birthday of an eight year old boy with special needs. Caleb is one of seven seven siblings and is on the autism spectrum. For his birthday, his family wanted to do something extra special for him, so they put out a plea asking if anybody who owns a Jeep and is sick of staying home would mind taking a little drive to Troutman to help make their eight-year-old son's birthday, uh, you know, something special. In the post, Caleb's mother said that even if only one Jeep showed up to drive by, this mom would be appreciate, would appreciate it more than you could know. Well, not only did one Jeep show up for Caleb's birthday, more than a hundred Jeeps came to his home. Local wow. Troutman police officers were happy to help assist with traffic as Jeep after Jeep after Jeep drove by the little boy's home. Nobody was allowed to exit their vehicles in order to practice social distancing, of course, and, and all the drivers were told not to honk their horns or make any sudden or loud noises near Caleb's residence and to respect the neighbors as well as Caleb's special needs. The support from the Jeep community on Thursday was a tremendous sight to see, and little Caleb loved every moment of it. Way to go. Yeah, really hats off to the Jeep community out there and anybody who, who drove longer than a half hour to an hour to get out there. I just over a hundred Jeeps for this. Just wow. absolutely astonishing. And and I think anybody was looking for an excuse to get out and I was and, just gonna and, say, you know, anybody know this kid? No, but I get to drive my Jeep. It, let's go. I got oh, to charge right. my battery. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, so it was like a three, three day drive for me. Birthday parades <laughs> left and right up there. Well, that's really cool. I mean, this was something that they, they got uh, satellite, not satellite, uh, like drone pictures oh, yeah, and, that's and right. stuff. I mean, it is it is absolutely amazing to see, you know, the turnout, uh, see the support uh, and everything for one little boy who's not even old enough to drive yet. So, no, this is really cool. And I just really I'm tickled pink and it catches me right in the feels when I when I see something like this and I see the Jeep community uh, really coming together. And, and for somebody who likely 90 percent of them have never known or never will know. Uh, you know, just because, you know, the kid's a Jeep fan and, and, uh, and the mom put out a plea. So, so, you know, kudos to each and every one of those drivers out there. That's just cool. 
Well, if you've got a news tip or response to any one of our stories, be sure to let us know by phone or by email. Just head over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and find out how to reach out. You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network podcast. And be sure to swing by the 4x4 Radio Network and tell those non-Jeepers you see on the trail to check it out, too. There's something for every off-roader there, from the Center Steer podcast to the On the Trail podcast. From the trail, from trail tracers to the 4x4 podcast. And did I mention the Jeep talk shows there too? So many great off-road shows, and right now, they're all for free. So head over there today. That's 4x4radionetwork.com. We'll see you there. Hey, Jeep talk show. It's Joe and Oceanside. I'm out walking my dog listening listening to uh, today's episode and uh, listening to the part about the lawsuit for the uh, sway bar disconnects. Uh, very easy. All right. If that were true, then uh, then death wobble would not happen on any vehicle other than ones that had dis- uh, uh, sway bars that could be disconnected, and we all know that's not true. So uh, I think it's a totally bunk uh, claim, and uh, I'm with you, Josh. Have a good one, guys. Well, at least he wasn't eating pork rinds for breakfast. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I thought that was kind of hokey. You know, I meant to ask you uh, in your your first story about the, uh, the 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 testing of the jeeps when it ran into the wall and went up on its side and stuff. Did the track bar stay attached, or was there bad welds on that? <laughs> I mean, was if it disconnected, can, if was it can, aired down in that one corner, yeah, <laughs> if you can hit the wall and the track bar on a JL stays stays connected, they've got the weld problem resolved. No, right, uh, I think this is great. And, and you know what? We have not had a voicemail since episode 432. So <gasps> thank you, Say Joe, for, so. for calling in. I don't know why we're not. Oh. I actually had to call the, the voicemail number last week to see if it was Make still, sure working. It's still working. Yes. Right? <laughs> Hello? Hello? Is this thing on? <laughs> Are you living the Jeep life? From mall crawlers to weekend warriors, from daily drivers to weekend wheelers, it's all about the Jeep life, and it's all good. It's time for Jeep Life with Jeep Mama. So last episode 435, I shared those not trails, those trails that some don't consider trails. Now, these trails can be just as fun as those difficult trails, and they're free. So where else can you take your Jeep off-road? Well, it depends on where you live. The East Coast is a lot different compared to the West Coast. The East Coast is made up mostly of off-road parks. Those parks can be fun and challenging, but can be expensive. I have been to Roush Creek Off-Road Park and Anthracite Area Outdoor Adventure. Both are in Pennsylvania. Both are privately owned and they have fees. There can be fees even for the passengers as well. There are other places out in the East Coast like Uari Off-Road um, vehicle trail system and trails in Virginia where you need to go get a special permit. These, All these fees change from year to year, so I suggest you check out their websites before you go so you know how much you're going to spend. There are a lot of wheeling places along the East Coast and West Coast. There's tons of off-road parks. The list is just too many to mention here on Jeep Life. So your best bet is to search off-road in your area or ask your local Jeepers where you can go off-roading locally. There used to be public lands on the East Coast years ago, but unfortunately those have been taken away from us. As far as the West Coast goes, there are miles and miles of trails. They're endless and the trails are free. 
I mentioned last week there are some guidebooks and websites out there to help you find these trails. There is also the Jeep Badge of Honor app. It's an app you download on your phone if you're a Jeep owner. There are several trails across the country you can wheel and earn these badges for your Jeep. Now, if you're wanting to spend many days in any of these locations, your best bet is to camp. Now, with Google nowadays, it's easy to find campgrounds, but beware, be aware during the busy seasons, most campgrounds want you to stay at least two nights. As for camping in state parks or national parks or on BLM lands, I suggest, besides Google, using the app, which I've mentioned before, iOverlander. That'll give you some locations where you can camp. Um, for more information on camping options, you can check out my Jeep Life segment on episode 431. Now, a bit of warning before you head out on these trails, especially on the West Coast, you will need to take weather into consideration. The Rubicon Trail in the winter is probably not a good idea. And most of the trails in Colorado are closed in the winter for safety reasons because they're all up in those mountain passes. Well, not all of them, but most of them. Also, sometimes trails are closed because of too much water and they're muddy and they don't want you tearing up the roads. So I hear here in Colorado, that's the case. And it's a good idea to get to know the area and how they work each set of trail systems in that area as far as closures. Also, some trails unfortunately have been permanently closed and are longer available for off-roading. However, there are groups out there that are fighting these BLM closures. And now during this time in our country, it's a good idea to double check the area you are going. A lot of off-road parks are closed and some states the areas for off-roading are only open to locals. I am hoping and praying this changes soon because I know how Jeepers can get if they haven't hit those rocky dirt trails for a while. Now, Tammy, you've, uh, you've wheeled over on the East Coast and you've wheeled on the, 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 the West, I don't want to say coast, but mm -hmm. to the, the West of the United States. In, Other yeah. than the fees, uh, which one do you like the best? I would think just being able to head out Anywhere you want, uh, and, and go, you know, on a trail that's not you're not con you're not confined to a park. I would think that would be a lot more interesting. Right. Yeah, um, I loved wheeling on the East Coast. It was a great start. However, like the trails out there, I mean, you're on a trail for maybe thirty minutes an hour. Here on the West Coast, you get on a trail, you're on that trail seven eight hours. They just go on and on and on. And the scenery out here is phenomenal. Um, and depending on where you go, like down in Kingman, Arizona, like I've mentioned before, those trails are difficult, the whole trail. Um, so I, sorry, East Coast wheelers, but nothing beats wheeling out here in the West, West of the Mississippi. It's just amazing. I couldn't agree more, <laughs> but I'm, well, I, I, I got, day, I'm a little biased. Just a little bit. I one, day, I Josh, I, one day, Josh, I'm going to get up there. I've been down in Wendy's area wheeling. I'd like to get mm -hmm. to Big Bend over in Texas one day. Um, but it's the West Coast is just, you can't say anything more, but it's awesome. Yeah. Certainly is, and I invite anybody to uh, to take a trip out here. We're, we've got uh, lots of uh, I wouldn't say world class wheeling, but certain certainly destinations that you can't find anywhere else. 
Uh, one of the West Coast's largest dune recreation areas is out here in Oregon. Uh, we've got some beautiful vistas and lots and lots of open public land that you can wheel on. Uh, then lots of, uh, uh, and they're not gonna, not really called parks because we don't have parks out here. We don't have off-road parks because we got so much public land open. Uh, there's so many trail systems out here. I mean, you drive any which way on the compass and, you know, you drive an hour and you're going to find someplace you can go wheel. So, um, yeah, that's, that's the way it is out here in the Northwest and it's, uh, it's, mm -hmm. it's home. Yeah. And I would agree as well. I think we have four of the Jeep honor badge, uh, trails out here. Yeah. So yeah, uh, you do. that makes California a definite destination if you're trying to hit all those badges. But yeah, the the wheeling, the trails, mountainous, desert, sand, yeah, it's there's a lot out here, a lot. Well, hey, how does Tammy's Jeep life compare with yours? We're always looking for Jeep stories, so contact us and let us know what your Jeep life is like. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and find out how. We sure'd like to hear your story. And are you a Jeeper who takes their top off? If so, find out where the best place to go topless is with Mitch in Jeep weather, coming up a little bit later in the show. Why did you become a paid subscriber to the Jeep Talk Show? Jeep Talk Show has been my weekly rotation. Look forward to it every week, each and every Friday. You can be a paid subscriber and help support the show you love, the Jeep Talk Show. I support a great podcast, been a lifelong Jeeper myself, continue to learn with each and every episode that I listen to. Just go to JeepTalkShow.com and look for the big yellow subscribe button. Absolutely. If you like Jeeps, anything to do with Jeeps, I like it for the, the technical, clear content, uh, advice, and learning. Hey Josh, this is Matt over here at the House of Gong. Just want to let you know that your 12 inch is back ordered. But since you know your way around Gong, I will go ahead and up your order to a 15 inch and get it right out to you with no extra cost. I know you're going to love it. Yes! Powder coated black for free. Once you see the way this deluxe model swings once you smack it, <gasps> you'll never go back. Now, I know being a famous guy, you can get any kind of Gong you want. I'm proud that you chose ours. So, thanks a lot. Be seeing you. That is hilarious. <laughs> Poignant promo, too, because I am going shooting this weekend. So. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. What? Where's the noob? Noob! 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 Hey, noobie! Noobie! Noob Nugget. It's time for Noobie Nuggets. Well, this week we have a question from one of our listeners, Jerry, who has joined us during our fireside chats. His question is, I'm interested in going on a trail ride. What can I expect? Excellent question, Jerry, and thank you for your submission. So here's what a typical run looks like. You meet up at a designated location. This is usually centrally located to the group, or it's located at the beginning of a trailhead. There is normally a time given on when to arrive and a time that the group will leave. Good idea to arrive early rather than late. Most groups will not wait for latecomers unless there is an issue or notice. Being new is always good to show up early, and you get to learn more that way. Now, once you arrive, if this is a club event or specialty event, you may be asked to sign a waiver. This is also a time to meet and greet other Jeepers and their rigs. If you've met at the trailhead, you will also need to air down your tires, depending on the trail, easy versus hard. Remember, sometimes we air down just to make the ride more comfortable on you and your Jeep, not necessarily for the traction. And you can check out my episode 431 to get some additional information on tools needed to air down if you're not sure. About five minutes before departure time, the trail leader will call a driver's meeting. The leader will review the trail difficulty and go over any rules of the run. 
like no drinking or making sure when there is a turn, you wait for the driver behind you to make sure he or she sees you've made the turn and any other general information. They'll also announce the radio frequency for ham or the channel if using a CV and a brief idea of the time frame for lunch. Couple of things to keep in mind. If you are new, they will ask and probably place you in the lineup behind a more experienced driver. This is a good thing and don't be shy about your experience or lack of. This is how you'll learn. When on the trail, if you or a passenger need to stop, like maybe a bathroom break, you just need to state that you need to stop. Most leaders will stop along the way for Jeepers to take a break throughout the run, so if you can hold it till the next stop, I would suggest that option. Drivers' meetings will most likely discuss possible obstacles coming up and letting everyone know that they can ask for a spotter. Again, this is not a bad thing. It's a badge of honor, and don't be afraid to ask for help. And grown men can ask for help and directions, by the way. Once the driver's meeting is adjourned, it's off and running. Well, actually, it's back to your Jeep and away you go in the order you replaced or how it was decided. Now, during the trail run, you may want to pay attention to the driver in front of you as he or she tackles obstacles, ruts, gullies, etc. Do you like their line? Would you make any changes to their line for your Jeep or comfort? This is a great training ground for you to learn and feel comfortable with your Jeep. If there is an obstacle, get out and watch. I've said it many times, it is the best way to gain knowledge. Now keep in mind while you're watching that some people will take a more difficult line just for the added challenge. You may be thinking to yourself, why on earth did they go that way? You always have the option of picking your own line. Now at some point during the trip, the group will stop for a lunch break. This can be the best part of the trip depending on the destination. We've had lunch under big canopy of trees, by a stream or river, on a mountaintop with views that go on forever, just to name a few. It's also a great time to meet other drivers and sit around and enjoy the company of fellow Jeepers and listen to their stories, lies, and exaggerations. There are also some things to consider packing for your trip in addition to the basic tools we reviewed in episode 426. Chairs might be one of them. What type and how many? Some places will offer a rock to sit on, but you may better be better off with a chair. Folding or smaller chairs are generally best due to limited space in your Jeep. And you're going to need an ice chest. Now, it doesn't need to be the huge one that you'd use for a week-long trip if this is just a day trip. You just need to keep the food and beverages cold. And what about traveling with your dog? You will need water and a bowl for your dog and probably a leash. Not all people enjoy our dogs and their business. Lots of people Jeep with their dog and please bring baggies to clean up after your dog. Inevitably, the dog will do its business in the middle of the group sitting. And generally right around lunchtime. <laughs> now, wh what do you need to bring for your kids? Snacks, games, and toys? Consider that adults sitting around conversing during lunch may not be their idea of fun. Another suggestion is to have a bag with extras, like paper towels and hand wipes, if you can find them right now, sunscreen, bug spray, hats, and a light jacket, and any other extras you may want or need for the day. I always recommend extra water and snacks, and it's really about making your trip comfortable for you. Now, after lunch, the group will continue on their way to the end of the run. This is where you will air up your tires. Now, hopefully you have an air compressor or other onboard equipment like a power tank to air up. But if not, there's generally a fellow Jeeper who's willing to help you air back up. Airing up tools should be on your list of things to add to the Jeep as you start to venture out on trails. This is also a good time to do a quick check under your rig just to make sure you didn't leave any parts on the trail or dangling underneath the Jeep. Once you're aired up, typically everyone heads out on their own way unless someone is organized to get together for dinner or barbecue or something else afterwards. Now, I hope this helps those new to organized runs with what to expect when you show up.
And thank you again to Jerry for this suggestion. I really enjoyed sharing this information. And if you have a topic or suggestion for Newbie Nuggets that you'd like us to talk about, please let me know. And if you want more information, check out our YouTube channel, Jeep 4-1, with more tips, tricks, and techniques. All right, guys, what other things would you add to just a day trip process that might help a new driver? Boy, that's a that's a tough one because, I mean, yeah, you know, weather and terrain and stuff. I mean, if you're if you're going out snow wheeling for the first time with a group and, and whether or not you've been with them out uh, before or not, if this is your first time up to the mountain uh, to wheel on a trail with snow on it, uh, there's a whole lot more to expect than if you're going oh, out in the middle of August, you know. So, um, uh, you know, weather certainly does play a big factor in this because it can affect morale, it can affect communication, it can affect your your lines, um, what trails you're going to run that day. I mean, you could be having expected, you know, planned this trip for weeks or months and mm -hmm. the entire time thinking that you're going to be running this trail and that trail and this trail. And then you get up there and, oh, well, there's a rock harvesting operation going on. So this trail is closed right now or, right. Uh, or oh, the weather has just turned to absolute crap. And there's no way that you can navigate this one trail or it's not going to be any fun because you're mm -hmm. going to be fighting it the entire time. So, I mean, there, there's there's those kinds of things that you kind of have to take into consideration, but are really hard to wrap your brain around if you, one, never been up there to that particular place before, or two, are new to the sport altogether. So, um, yeah, there's, there's just a whole realm of expectations that I honestly say, leave it home because mm -hmm. you're going out to have fun. And, exactly. and that's what you should be focusing on. And yeah, there's going to be times where you got to pay attention. You got to be safe. You got to be mindful of what you're doing. But at the end of the day, you're out there to have fun. And, and so regardless of weather, regardless of line or what trail is open or closed or the group that you're with or the people and their personalities, et cetera, et cetera, you're there to have fun. You're there to enjoy your Jeep experience. And that's what you should be focusing on. Mm -hmm. I think that's a really good point. And two, if you're new and you really haven't been off-roading, you kind of want to know what that trail is going to be that day. And most people will let you know ahead of time. But we've had it where we're, we've got a trail going. It's a moderate trail. And someone shows up in a ill-equipped vehicle, meaning they don't have what's needed to get through some of the obstacles. Mm -hmm. And we will yeah. just suggest that they don't bring the vehicle. They can jump in with somebody else. So that is a possibility, which I didn't want to bring up more as a negative because it is fun. This is all about fun. So you're right. Like it is one of those ideas. kind of things that it's a little bit of a negative, but it, it is one of those things that you do encounter, especially as you get out more and more and you are trying mm -hmm. more challenging trails and, and, and different areas and that sort of stuff. You're going to encounter those kinds of situations where you're either a ill prepared or B you're just, it might be a little bit too much for you, your experience level, your driving level, or even your vehicle's capabilities. Uh, in mm -hmm. which case, there's nothing wrong with taking a bypass. There's nothing wrong with parking the Jeep at the bottom, riding Absolutely. up with somebody else. You can always come back down to grab your Jeep here in another half hour, 20 minutes, whatever it takes to get through the obstacle. Uh, mm -hmm. And at that point, you have still gone through that trail. You've gone through that obstacle. Now, when you're better prepared, the weather is better, whatever it takes, um, and you're, you're ready to try that trail, you're ready to try that obstacle, now you're a little bit more better prepared because you've actually been through it before, even though mm -hmm. not necessarily in your vehicle and not maybe not necessarily behind the wheel, you kind of know what to expect still. So, you yeah. know, those expectations start to build over time the more time you get some seat time. That's well, I think that's, that's confidence building too. Sorry, Tony. I think that's really more about confidence building, you know, as far as getting out. It doesn't matter if you're in your Jeep or in someone else's, you're getting that experience. You know, it's uh, that's got to be a, a, a very pleasant conversation. 
Sweetie, your Jeep's is not going to make it, but you can ride with one of these other folks that have uh, a little bit more build uh, in their Jeep. And uh, I personally think it's a great thing, and I would hope that the people wouldn't take uh, you know issue with that, wouldn't, wouldn't no, look at it as a negative. And yeah. th- no. th- then they can actually see what uh, uh, the why you build up a Jeep, why it gets mm-hmm. you up and over things. So uh, well, that would be a tough conversation either way. It's not really too tough if you are the trail leader because you're trying to make sure people are safe to begin with. You're also trying to mitigate the amount of time you're going to be spending on a trail. And that is something else, too, yeah. as, a new, as a new Jeeper. You, if you say to yourself, I'm going to go on this run, I have to be back home at 1 o'clock, and it's a moderate to hard trail, <laughs> chances are somebody's going to have an issue. And you have to be able to accommodate for that time. And I, I probably should have brought that up, too, is that is something else to consider. Do you have all day? The trail may not go that long. So that's another issue is that you could get stuck out there and, you know, you're, that's what you do. But again, it's that that's also part of the, the whole deal of jeeping is, gosh, let's see how we can get this person unstuck or let's see if we can fix this break that happened. Um, and that's partly why we do choose to make sure that you have certain items on your Jeep and stock levels and things like that, maybe tire size or lift to get through some obstacles because, We've seen it, you know, somebody's coming through and we didn't realize that the trails changed maybe. Now we're climbing some rocks we didn't think we could and we're having to pull people out or, or do different, you know, angles and things. So I think that's just another thing is looking at your time frame and making sure that you're aware that it could be all day and that's part of the fun. So, Well, correct me if I'm wrong on this, uh, Wendy, but I would think that when you have a new Jeeper out there, uh, it would be a tough conversation from the standpoint you don't want to, to make them feel like they're not uh, welcome. And if they're out there in their Jeep and it's not modified to a certain degree uh, and they don't know uh, that they needed to do that ahead of time, that's why I'm saying it might be a tough conversation in, in the hopes of not uh, for them coming out in the future because uh, they may not want to come out there again because like, oh, well, gee, I'm just not good enough or my Jeep's not good enough. So uh, I don't want to well, go out there again. You see what I'm saying? I- yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. But I think like Josh dis- discussed in previous episode, it's all about your delivery and your tone. If you're a jerk, hey, you're not set up enough, you can't go. Of course, you're going to be discouraging people. But most people that we run with, it's like, listen, there will be body damage. This is what you can expect to happen. You probably won't be able to get through if there are no bypasses. But letting people know, hey, there's bypasses on some of the difficult things. We're not sure your Jeep's set up for it lets them feel encouraged to come on out. So I do believe trail leaders need to also take that into account is that you you do have to be careful. Like you said, it can be a tough conversation. You don't want to discourage them, but you also want to make sure that you're not responsible. When Bill and I first started, we had somebody in the group who was in a Tacoma Toyota truck, brand new, with these built-in steps on the side that don't retract <laughs> oh, or anything. No. And you know, we we knew the trail is a moderate trail. There are some black diamond sections of it. It's not a big deal. We didn't think too much of it, and we're like, you know, maybe you shouldn't. No, I want to come. Well, turns out later, it's her first time being out. It's the brand new truck oh. with the doesn't even have plates. It's paper plates on it. Well, I'll tell you wow. what. We, we took care of those steps for her. They're, they were no uh-huh. longer on there by the time the trail was <laughs> well, you done. Know, good she, for she was her. a great Yes, and she was a great sport, and she didn't mind that we were helping and coaching her. And I mean, she didn't even know how to put the vehicle in four-wheel drive. I mean, that was That's how Good Lord, so that is so we, cool. Yeah, so we learned as leaders, okay, there has to be some criteria. I mean, if we see that again, we're going to say, listen, we've had this happen before. Let's just leave this here. We'll come back for you. Come on in and join one of us. 
So, but yes, you're right. It does happen. And I think as a leader, you have to have that one experience so that you can say confidently, I think you should leave this one here. Right. Uh, so, yeah. One Ooh. thing I would like to w- mention is bathrooms. Um, <laughs> people need to know that we're not going to drive back, like at an off-road park, we're not going to drive oh, back wow. to the office so you can go to the bathroom. <laughs> right. You know? <laughs> Time yeah, out. I agree. You, I got to go to the bathroom. <laughs> You well, gotta learn. I, you gotta pee in the woods or yes. pee in the desert. Oh, um, TP! Bring some toilet paper with you. Yeah, mountain yeah. money. We call that. <laughs> uh, but right. that's where we go back to. Please, you know, pack it in, pack it out, kind of a deal too. So, like, you're not leaving stuff behind. Right. But um, now there there is a rule to that. I don't know if you guys know that when you stop at an op for that bathroom break, the whole team does, the whole group does. Um, women go to the right and men go to the left. Yep. That's because women are always right. Okay. Just so in case you didn't know and, that one. And nobody, nobody pees upwind or downstream. No. no. <laughs> and, you, and you need to be careful when you are on an incline or on a mountain where <laughs> women do, where you place your feet when you're squatting because you don't want to pee, the pee to get on your shoes. Yes. And then let's mention too, right now, snakes, snakes are coming out. So you're thinking you're just traipsing in this great natural area. You do need to watch for sticks with lips, as we call them, um, to make sure lips. that you're not accidentally <laughs> <laughs> having a problem needing that first aid kit really quick. So anyway, that's a good one, though, Tammy. Thank you for bringing that up. So anything else, guys? Oh, you guys need one of those, uh, the two-inch receiver, uh, not porta-potties, but the, the toilet lids. Where you stick it in the two-inch receiver in the, the the back, and you just sit on the toilet lid there and go right behind the Jeep. Yeah. Usually there's somebody behind <laughs> oh you God. that makes Probably it a little more interesting. Probably not. Right. <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking that's a hey, gimmick. Occupido. No. <laughs> Occupido. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Oh, great suggestions, though. And thanks again, Jerry. That was great. So. Keep honking. I'm wiping. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wiping slower. <laughs> yeah. If you're a newbie or maybe you remember something important you've learned when you first became a Jeeper and you want to share it with us, we want to hear from you. Reach out to us with your newbie nugget. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact to find out all the ways to contact us. From the mind of Nikki G. <clears throat> Good Lord, what is in my throat? Hey, this is Nikki G. And uh, I got to say, a lot of things you talked about on the last episode was a lot of things I talked about on... Uh, Previous episodes of my podcast, the 10-Minute Off-Road Podcast, uh, you talked about snorkels. I talked about snorkels. You talked about maintenance, and uh, that's a episode that I recorded the other day that's coming up. It's almost as if you're breaking into my living quarters and uh, reading my show notes, which is totally possible, being that I live in Tony's basement. <laughs> I just want to touch on some highlights. Uh, I talked about snorkels and Everybody I talked to was against snorkels. I'm against snorkels. I don't do water crossings at all. I'm terrified of water. I've been on rides when we got to water and I turned around and, and went back. And I'm up front with it with the guys I ride with. I said, look, you know, you know me and water. That's my choice. And I say, Tony, you and I have Jeeps for two different reasons. And so snorkel works for you. And I wasn't bashing snorkels. It's just they're, I just don't like the way they look. Plus, I don't want to cut that big hole in my Jeep. It's It's got enough holes in it already. You know, a couple let the water in and a couple in the back to let the water out. So, uh, you know, I'm okay. And then uh, you talked about maintenance on your vehicle. And I got to touch that. 
I'm only a tow truck drive away from getting it done right. I'll try it myself, <laughs> and if I botch it up, I'll, I'll take it to a shop. Uh, fortunately, uh-huh. that hasn't happened too much in my life. Uh, thank God for the University of YouTube. It makes me smarter than I actually am. Sad thing is, there's usually a video of a 12-year-old kid doing it better than me. (laughs) That's not why I'm calling. I'm calling today to find out the answer to. If someone owns a piece of land, do they own it all the way to the center of the earth? All right, boys and girls, I'll chat you later. You have a good one. Bye. (laughs) And taxes pay for the whole road. Damn it, I'm going to use it all. (laughs) <laughs> three, count them three rim shots on that uh, that one Nikki Chi. You know, Nikki Chi's call is about the same length as his 10-minute podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and where's Henry the Rooster? Uh, you know, we made him Henry famous, and I, I think Nikki G got jealous, and he's recording inside now. I don't know. I'm still wondering about that pizza bit he did, and we, didn't, we never heard from Henry since, so I don't know. <laughs> you must have needed this every day. It's the Jeep Talk Show's must-have stuff, pick of the week for your Jeep. You know, if you own a 2007 to 2018 Jeep JK or JKU Wrangler, and it's still mostly stock, but you want to add a winch to it because you found yourself getting into a little bit more brave and uh, off-road, and, uh, well, you want to try an an option to self-recover if it comes down to it. But like most Jeepers, you cringe when you see the price of a winch bumper. And don't get me started on the prices for tire carrier bumpers. So what do you do? Don't fear, because despite what you may have heard or been told or even read, you can add a winch to your factory Jeep bumper and do it safely and with reliability. Here's the bonus. You can do it with basic hand tools, and it will cost a fraction of what a full winch bumper will run you. I present to you the Rough Country 1162 winch mounting plate. It is specifically designed to work with your factory JK bumper and accommodate all standard-sized winches. Compare this to similar systems that only allow you to run a specific model or two and will cost nearly twice as much. So for the ease, flexibility, and price, this is the must-have item for adding a winch to a stock bumper of a JK. I like this. Um, I think think, yeah. I think 180 bucks uh, sounds a little high uh, you know, for a plate. But uh, yeah, I mean, when you compare that to a bumper, a custom bumper, uh, that's really cheap. Now, we are talking a lot more than just a, you know, a rectangle piece of plate with, you know, four holes in it here. Um, <laughs> this is an entire mounting system here. Uh, there is a lot of hardware involved. Um, I mean, you get the full the full mounting system that, that enables you to, to mount up that winch. Now, this is the $179 kit. There is another kit uh, that's $20 more that comes with D-ring, rece- uh, D-ring shackles that you can oh, uh, nice. use as recovery points as well. So. Uh, yeah, if your JK bumper has no recovery points, another $20, and you get yourself not only a winch, but also recovery points. And this is, like I said, a system that you can rely on. This isn't something that as soon as you hook it up to pull yourself out of that ditch uh, or pull your buddy out of a, out of a situation that is going to tear the bumper off the front of your Jeep. No, this ties in really, really well to where you know you can rely on this 110% as you would any other kind of recovery system that is aftermarket or a full winch bumper uh, system for that matter. So, uh, I mean, for and for the price, I mean, you really can't beat that kind of accessibility. No, no. So, Getting a winch on there is, is really very nice. So I'm curious, does it does the winch actually, what do you weld it onto this plate or does it have attachment points? How does that actually attach to that plate? 
So the winch itself is going to attach to the plate as as any winch would attach to the bumper itself. You're going to have okay. a, a thick mounting plate in which the winch itself is going to mount to. And pretty much every winch, standardized winches, have a set hole pattern um, mm-hmm. that falls within you know a few thousands of an inch of, of, of pretty much everybody else. Now, there's a few guys that are doing things a little bit differently, oh, and they have their own proprietary systems and, and you know things like that. Uh, but that that's not this. And there's certainly, um, you know, going with this opens up the door to a lot of options uh, mm-hmm. for, for different winches. Uh, so, you know, and then it, this ties into your frame rails. Uh, this ties into the, you know, the bumper brackets themselves. Um, there's it. so many tie-in points and brackets into this thing to where you can use this as a genuine bona fide recovery point uh, and, and not worry about whether or not this is going to tear something off the front of your vehicle. We've seen those kinds of systems out there. They, they really don't come with much. They're more for looks than anything, um, mm-hmm. you know, almost made out of ATV type parts. Uh, this is definitely not that. Uh, it has a good name behind it. They've been doing this stuff for a long time. Uh, and this is a system that you can trust. Excellent. I, I will mention this, that, uh, and I'm sure this is tied in very well. It would have to be. Otherwise, there's going to be a lot of complaints about it. Uh, <laughs> the winch shooting off the front of it. Uh, but uh, the, the, keep in mind, this is a factory bumper. And the factory bumper is built to be, you know, part of the cripple zone and et cetera, et cetera. So when you mount something like this on uh, the bumper, it is going to be stronger uh, at that where the winch plate is since it's, you know, actual honest-to-goodness metal. And, of course, the the mass of the winch. But when you uh, hit something, like if you rear-end somebody or there's a a head-on collision, that bumper is going to crumple zone uh, like it's supposed to. And the winching is not going to fare very well. And I would suspect that yeah. plate's not going to fare very well either. So mm-hmm. keep in mind that this, this is very nice. Uh, and, and, but understand you're probably going to be throwing up your, uh, your recovery equipment here to the, uh, the off-roading gods, or maybe not the off-roading gods, but the, the wreck gods, so to speak. Uh, so there is good reason to get an actual, honest-to-goodness, stout bumper uh, to mount your winch on. But this certainly would be a very nice way of uh, uh, of getting, you know, like a first step because you can. Mm-hmm. I'm sure somebody else is going to want to buy this thing after you've uh, upgraded to a bumper later on. Mm-hmm. Oh no, absolutely! I I have seen uh, similar type of types of items uh, pop up on Craigslist. Oh, I've actually got a Craigslist story I want to share with you guys later in the show. Uh, but uh, but no, and, and you, there are other things you're going to have to buy. Obviously, you're going to have to buy a winch. Uh, you're going to have to buy a fair lead, which is going to depend on the kind of line that you're running, whether it's a house fair lead or a roller fair lead, you know, that sort of stuff. So, I mean, this gets you set up at least. This gets yeah, you in really the market cool. to, where, to where, yeah, you can start knocking on the door of buying a winch or, or procuring one, um, you know, buying your buddy's old one, you know, that sort of thing gets you rolling. Yeah, if there's no tow points, spend the extra 20 bucks so you have the tow points. Oh, it's really, yeah. At that point, I mean, 20 bucks to get yourself a recovery point, a tow point, definitely worth it at that point. So I would highly recommend spending the extra 20 bucks to, to get yourself the, uh, the, uh, the deluxe version, if you will. And I don't know if you guys agree or not, but the tow points are, are infinitely more important to have than the winch. You, you mm-hmm. got to have those tow points because a winch doesn't always work and uh, a winch isn't always the, the best option. Usually, and you can, but but I'd say the toe points are very important. I would mm-hmm. agree. Definitely. Well, now that you must have a Rough Country's, uh, well, one of Rough Country solutions for adding a winch to the factory bumper of your own Jeep, we're going to make it easy for you, okay? Just go to jeeptalkshow.com and look for the link in the show notes for episode 436. Get one for your very self. Hello. Can you go? How low can you go? How low 
What was that, like an Elvis movie or something where they were doing the the limbo? Or, uh, I can't remember now. Uh, wasn't it an episode of the Brady Bunch? Uh, no, another timely <laughs> reference. <there. laughs> I think it's been in a lot of different episodes. <laughs> uh, I think even Pee Wee Herman has done it a time or two. So uh, well, we're not talking about limbo, but I am talking about how low can you go and how do you do it? And no, we're not really talking about height either. It's not about uh, lowering your Jeep. And it's certainly not a competition, but I want to know how low do you air down and what's your preferred tool to make it happen? Are you a single digit wheeler? You know, the kind of person who just uh, drops down to, you know, five pounds of uh, pressure. That's good enough for me. Or are you the kind of person who just doesn't want to bother with it at all? And uh, you're rolling 35 pounds over those rocks. I want to know uh, what you guys uh, air down to. I know uh, a couple few weeks back, episodes back. Uh, we talked a little bit about airing down, and we heard a little bit from our hosts, uh, co-hosts, about you know kind of what uh, what they wheel and 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 how and and that sort of stuff. I will go ahead and touch back on those uh, again, uh, but I definitely want to hear from some of our listeners out there, some of you guys, uh, and and hear what what kind of what kind of pressures you're running uh, and why uh, and how do you get there? Um, are you just shoving a stick into the into the Schrader valve and and counting to a magic <laughs> number? I mean, what's you know what's your what's your method? So. Um, let's, let's jump right into this. Um, I, I want to kind of hit from the, the co-hosts first because, uh, we touched on this a while back. We'll go kind of fly through this again. Uh, and then we'll get to our, we'll get to our callers, uh, which we do have several, uh, for this episode. So, uh, I want to thank you guys in advance. And, uh, for those listening who want to join in on future episodes, uh, make sure that you guys are uh, friended or subscribed, whatever to our Facebook page. We let out those announcements and on Thursday nights when we record the show, uh, we put out an announcement and a link for you guys to follow, and uh, you can join in on the campfireside chat. We would certainly like to have you here. So, Tony, um, I, you, you've uh, you've been out wheeling several times. Uh, I know you've you've gone through a couple few sets of tires over the years with your Cherokee and and other Jeeps. I mean, what do you air down to when you're on the trail? I uh, I think when I, I tried going down to um, God, I think it was 14 psi on the. Uh, uh, the Nexons on that last trip that I went to. And, uh, mm-hmm. unfortunately, uh, I got there, uh, right as they were getting ready to, to head out onto the trails. So about half of the, the wheeling adventure was not aired down at all. Oh, so boy. Uh, I don't know if you recall or not, I couldn't get the, uh, the, the, the sway bar disconnect, uh, pegs off of there. And, uh, so I just took the pins out and, and knew that, that the, uh, the articulation would take care of, uh, disconnecting for me. And uh, unfortunately, there was no way of doing air down. So, but about halfway through, there was a, a long time. Uh, one of the situations, like what you guys were talking about earlier, where the the trail has been uh, being reviewed and trying to determine if uh, the trail can be handled by everybody that's in the uh, in the chain. And mm-hmm. eventually, it, it wasn't. So I, I got aired down. Plenty of time to air down while they were looking at everything, but uh, we didn't go. They they determined that they couldn't make it without a lot of winching. So we backed down the trail and went back to base. So. I, I literally didn't get to do anything aired down. All dressed up and no place to go. I, I did lots of wheeling. <laughs> I did lots of wheeling out there. And I don't know if you guys uh, have this problem or not, but if the vehicle ahead of me makes it, God damn it, I'm going to make it too. <laughs> here, here. <laughs> and I want to use the same damn line because my Jeep's is as good as yours, damn it. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Well, Wendy, uh, what, what do you go down to? I know that you guys are set up a little bit different, got some different terrain and stuff like that. Um, uh, what, what Do you have a favorite number, and, and how do you get there? 
Yeah, we, we definitely do. We do the 14, go down to 14. With the Nexon Rodian tire, we don't have to go down any further like we used to. So Interesting. 14 is it for us. Yeah. Now, are, do you use like the the uh, the speed valve? You know the uh, what do they call those? Um, uh, not Schrader valves. Uh, tire geez, deflators. Stons. Yeah, the Ston tire deflators, or do you use like the speed deflator where you got you know you screwed on, you got that speed valve to where you can you know pull out the uh, pull out the valve and, and air things down really fast. What what method do you use? We actually have a, a a really cool method. We have one gauge and we have the four lines that go out. Actually, two lines with two connectors to all the tires. So we air down and air up all at the same time. Well, that's actually kind of neat. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So my husband put that together. makes it easy. Yeah. What was that that tire deflator that you were talking about, uh, Tammy, a while back? Um, JT Brooks tire deflators. So I looked at those and I said, those are too goddamn expensive. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so I went over just a hundred dollars. Yeah. So I oh, went and got a thirty dollar rapid air down tire deflator, and that's what I used while I was on the trail. It took me a little bit to understand how it worked, but once I understood how it worked, it it worked out very well, and I was able to do the other three tires uh, pretty quickly. But it was like uh, twenty nine ninety five or something like that. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I couldn't bring myself to spending a hundred dollars for something. Uh, the, like the for the JT books, I'm sure they're great. I just I just didn't feel like that was uh, uh, my thing well, the, to do. Right, the JT Brooks that I have, they're four tire deflators, so you can do all your tires at the same time, and you don't have to preset them. You they have numbers etched on them now, so you can just dial it to ten, twenty, whatever you want, and um, it's really easy to um, deflate your tires right there on the spot, and then you can give them to someone else. And they can set the deflators to whatever they want if right they, there. If they want to give me a deposit, sure. Yeah, yeah there you I, go. I, I'm not sure what uh, what Bill actually spent on our system, but he got everything from Harbor Freight, the tubing and there the connectors, go. and it was just See, it works out really good. So. Yeah, for something like that, you don't you don't need to spend a fortune. You don't you don't need to you know stainless steel connectors, you know stainless braided hoses. You know, no, it's it's just for airing down and airing up. It can cost five bucks. It's fine. Yeah, <laughs> you know? as long as it works. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, um, now, but Tammy, some of us just don't have the talent to create something like that. Mine would be just a total mess. So it's easier so for me Tammy, just to go and spend the money. Tammy, using those, uh, using the ones that you got, the JT Brooks deflators, what do you air down to using those? Well, guess what? I also run the Nexon Rodian MTX tires, and I air down to 14 and... 14 I think is you guys are you ganging up on need me need to now. go on those tires. I know. Um, you really it's don't awesome need to though. go lower. Yeah, you, they you don't need to go any lower. Are, no, they're amazing really, at that. Yeah, um, really stiff side At that t- tire pressure, yeah. So when I had, when I had my, uh, my Duratrax, I, I didn't take them down very low because they, they seem to have a relatively soft sidewall. Um, and so they, they ended up uh, really flattening out pretty well. Uh, with just about 20 pounds of pressure in them even. Uh, I did take them down to 15 a couple of times, but I honestly felt like that was a little too low. Uh, Like there wasn't enough uh, enough feedback left in the tire uh, for me to not bottom out on things or to worry about whether or not I was going to sink something into the tread too much or or something as I went over an obstacle. Um, Now, I've I've wheeled with uh, numbers of different tires over the years, and right now I've got a set of ProComp MT2s, which I do love, um, but I air those things down to 10 or 12 pounds almost every single time. Uh, and I, I wheel with guys who are running tire and wheel combinations that take it down into single digits. 
and I'm talking about single digits without uh, without uh, wheel lock or um, uh, bead locks. Bead locks. Bead yeah. locks. Thank you. Brain farting on that. Uh, and so you know, it's 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 kind of I'm really kind of curious to see what sort of setups other people are running and how low they're airing down to uh, because it's it's different everywhere you go. So I mean, let's turn to uh, some of our our listeners now. And, and Jerry, um, let's uh, first off, where are you from? Uh, and let's talk a little bit about what tires you're running and, and what you air them down to. Oh, I'm calling in from uh, Central Illinois. So I've got a 35-inch uh, KM2 that I run. Uh, and on that tire, I would normally air that down to about 10 pounds. Uh, I do have a set of Ston tire deflators that I've had forever and a day, which I, I really do like those because you just screw those guys on there and, you know, you can go about doing other things, getting the rig ready to go. Uh, getting the rig ready to go on that. Uh, I don't like lending them out, though, because people <laughs> no. tend to want to yeah. fiddle with them. Oh, my gosh. I'm, I'm done lending then, out stuff like that. Mm-mm. Yeah, it takes forever to get those things set. And then, uh, you know, people like, well, what's this do? And then they unscrew it. And oh, then you're, you know, hey, where did, did you it. see that spring shoot out of there? Where did that, where did <laughs> yeah. that go? Uh, yeah, we don't exactly. need that. Don't worry about it. Let's go. <laughs> So uh, what about what about Brad? Uh, Brad, first off, where are you from? Uh, what kind of tire are you running, and, and how low do you air down to? I think Brad took off, by the way. Oh, well, that's a shame. Oh. I, we could fake it. Hi, I'm right? Brad. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully he'll join us in next week and, uh, or in future episodes, and we can, uh, we can uh, hit him up for, uh, for some other sort of question. Well, let's jump or to Chris then. Well, maybe he'll call in. He can actually phone in and give us his That's opinion right. on oh, it. That's right. Oh, true. Yeah, leave us a voicemail next week or something like that. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, I, Chris, uh, same, same question to you. Uh, where are you from and uh, what kind of tire are you running? How low do you air down to? Uh, from Michigan, uh, running a, a Toyo AT2, uh, what I call pizza cutter. So, it's a, th- it's a 33 uh, inch on the uh, stock 17 inch wheel. Um, E-rated tire. So, it's pretty pretty stiff tire. Just on the normal trails, it'll be about 15 pounds. Uh, the sand dunes, I'll drop it down about 8 or 10 in the rear only, just for a little bit of extra traction. And yeah. use the uh, TerraFlex. It's uh, just a little three- or four-piece keychain uh, deflator, and you screw one on, and you work your way around the Jeep. And by the time you screw the fourth one on, you pull the first one you screwed on off, and it's pretty much good to go. Yeah, I've seen those, and they, they all kind of screw together uh, into like one yes. one little stick type thing that yeah, yeah it just like goes onto your keychain. Like Very that. convenient. Yeah, I've, mm-hmm. I, I've seen versions of that. It might even have been that exact same kit. Haven't seen that in a while though, so I wonder if they're 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 just not made anymore or uh, no, they uh, they or, are. You can what? still find them. Ah, okay. I just don't don't see those on the trail as much as I used to. Uh, so it's uh good to hear. Man, eight pounds in the sand. That's uh that that's pretty good. Now I didn't think the Toyos like to go down that low but i guess if you're on an e-rated sidewall a little more stiff i think you got you got some of the 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 plies in there that can uh, withstand that low pressure so uh yeah that kind of makes a little bit more sense now what about isaac uh isaac where are you from uh what kind of tire you're running and and what do you air down to so i'm from wisconsin um i'm actually not sure which tire i've got i've got a it's from like a discount tire type store um they actually encouraged I don't get um, your guy's favorite tire um, because he said they were tre- cheap, which I was like, no, I don't think so. But I went with his the recommendation. Nexons? Yeah, the Nexon. Nexon Rodeo. Wait, and, and, who's that dealer? Because I'll just turn him in. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Um, 
Mr. Pease. Okay. Um, he had recommended I not go with them. Um, did he say why? Do, he just said um, that in his experience, which I don't think he did very much with their off-road tires, um, that they no weren't going to be good for <laughs> on my Jeep. They're amazing. Wow. Yeah, you know what? There was that could be because he was thinking here. of their street tires and not. I think so. Oh, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I actually host a couple of Jeep drives, and mine are all just on the surface streets. We've got the Kettle Moraine Scenic Drive in Wisconsin, and so I just host a all Jeeps drive. And due to it being all on road, I actually don't air down at all when I do my drives. That makes sense. Yeah. What kind of what kind of turnout do you get with those? I mean, do you get a hundred jeeps in a procession, or is it just you know typically ten or fifteen uh, people showing up? It depends on uh, in the year when I do it. I usually do a uh, one on the first day of spring, the first day of summer, a second one in the summer, and then one for the fall colors. Fall color drive gets the best turnout. Oh, I bet. Um, Usually, it's a good four or five hour drive. Um, starting, I've had as much as like 20 to 30, and then it usually ends with like five or six. Um, just it's a long drive, and we've got people that come from all the way down in Illinois and stuff, and they don't want to have to drive back all the way because it's a very north south trip that we take. Interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. And I mean, a whole different perspective there. I mean, you know, somebody mm -hmm. probably got, you know, highway tires or, or all-terrain tires uh, and, and not somebody who, you know, typically uses their Jeep uh, for off-roading and, you know, airing down and stuff like that. So a completely different perspective in this. And I, I very, very much appreciate that. Uh, so thanks, Isaac. That, that, that's really mm -hmm. cool. Uh, now, Greg, let, let's talk a little bit about your Jeep. Um, uh, what, what kind of Jeep you're running? Uh, where are you from? Uh, what kind of tires you're running? How do you air down? Let's, let's, get, let's get into this a little bit. Yeah, so I got a 2000 XJ, um, and I run Firestone Destination XT's 31, 10 and a half, 15s, mm -hmm. and uh, I've never been off roads. So I've never uh, aired down. If I were to air down, I guess I'd just use a knife. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I can't it's tell you how many times to air up. How many times my my first time airing down, you know, it's like, well, I, sure, I'm going to use this twig over here until this breaks. And I guess I'm going to use my key now. And, and you know, it's just pretty much whatever you got because airing down is so important when you're off-road. Um, and, and honestly, I mean, if you don't have one of the, the quick uh, deflators like, you know, what Tony and I have got or, or like the Stons or or any of those other kind of screw-on type of air deflators, um, you, you got to use whatever you have uh, because, you know, it, it, it does make that much of a difference. Uh, you know, at the end of the trail. So um, very, very, very curious to, I mean, and very glad to hear from a number of different people, <laughs> people that don't air, uh, air down very much or at all. Uh, three of you guys only air down to 14 because of the kind of tire you're running, which just blows me away how all three of you are running the exact same number. It just it's crazy, uh, it kind of huh? boggles my mind. Yeah. How that, how that works out. So, uh, and then I'll there's mention. me over here. I'm, I'm the black, I'm the black sheep again, you know, I'm all by myself. Well, uh, I'll, I'll mention this, Josh. Now, uh, both Tammy and Wendy, are you guys? You guys are on thirty sevens, right? Yeah, I am. Yeah, so Wendy's on thirty five. No, I, I'm on thirty. I'm on thirty five. Yeah, Tammy's on thirty fives. Wendy's on thirty sevens, and I'm on thirty threes. So I probably could go down more than fourteen psi. 
uh, because uh, I think that's right. I, th- I didn't ask Don about Man, that. That is a trip. Yeah, that's that's three completely different sidewall profiles. Right, and, and you guys are all airing down. But I just did that because PSI. that's what that's what we did in uh, uh, Big Bear Lake when we went but, off road, and but that was thirty yeah. sevens. So but it, I actually it also go ahead. depends on what you're going to do. Depends on what you're going to wheel. If you're going to be doing rocks, you don't. We don't have to go down. When we had our first set of tires, was BF Goodrich, we had to go down to twelve, maybe even eleven, just to get the grip because mm-hmm. it yeah. just just the way it worked. But now we don't need to go down as much, and it just flexes. That tire is. It's amazing to watch it. I mean, if you guys are interested in seeing video of it, it's on our YouTube channel to see how that tire actually flexes and what it does and how it grabs. But that's why we only need to go down to 14. Yeah, very it. interesting. Yeah. Send, that, send that video we to Mr. Interviewed, P. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we exactly. interviewed Paul with Nexon about just that, and it's a really great explanation. And as a matter of fact, that's on my YouTube channel. That's um, right. But it's... They're, the way they made these tires is just really kind of fascinating to me. Well, and it, they're, it really, they're it, a lot cheaper than standard tires that you're hearing yes. out there. So, and and not yes. so cheap that you're thinking, wait a minute, there's something wrong with it. Just less money. It's just that's another benefit right. of the tire. I think I would have spent about uh, fifteen hundred or so for a set of five, and it cost me a thousand dollars to get a set of five. So yeah, that's a big difference. That, it is. that definitely, you know, puts puts uh, things into into people's uh, you know buying range at, at that point. Hey, everybody's got a stimulus check now, so you can all get uh, new tires. <laughs> that's it. Well, very uh, very glad to hear from all of you out there and uh, and from our co-hosts about uh, about airing down the preferences and kind of how you do it and stuff like that because I know everybody is is a little bit different, uh, got their own preferences and and of course everybody's terrain is different as well and, and that really. Uh, determines a lot of it as well. So uh, once again, thank you all for for chiming in. And uh, and again, if you want to if you want to join in, we do this each and every week. Uh, and we'd love to have you here on the show. Uh, all you got to do is friend us on Facebook. Watch out for the notices that come out around Wednesday and Thursday. We record the show Thursday nights. You can join in around the campfireside chat and uh, and do this exact same sort of thing that we do each and every week. And uh, we sure like to have you on. Hey Jeeper, I'm Mitch, and I am a multi-potentialite. Today is the 8th of May, 2020, and it's time for your weekend going topless Jeep weather report. While most states are getting extended lockdowns and others, like here in California, people are straight up going out to the beaches. I was thinking of places to go topless that I haven't heard about. First up is Boise, Idaho. No clue what's happening there at all, but weather looks to be good this weekend. Today is 76 and sunny, tomorrow 81 and Sunday, and Sunday 86 and partly cloudy. Next, who's heard of what's happening in Eugene, Oregon? Unfortunately, no sports, but weather looks like it's going to be pretty good. Today, sunny and 86, tomorrow's partly cloudy and 83, and Sunday should be about 80 and cloudy. Well, hopefully no more earthquakes happen in Utah, but Utah City, which has a very imaginative name, has some nice spring weather to take that top off and cruise. Today is sunny and 72, tomorrow is 75 and sunny, and Sunday looks to be partly cloudy and 80. Don't forget to use the hashtag Jeep Talk Show on social media for us to see those pictures. If you have any suggestions or want to know your local weather and upcoming episode, 
jeeptalkshow.com slash contact in order to find all the ways to get a message to me. I'm Mitch. It's always a great weekend to go topless. If you're brave enough, just go topless responsibly. Okay, Mitch, I got to know just what is a multi-potentialite? That, that, that's a good one. That was a new one for me. So good times there. Good times indeed. I'm glad Mitch is back. Absolutely. Yes. Love me some Mitch. Hey, don't forget, go to jeeptalkshow.com and see the latest events from around the nation and in your hometown. we got some events that are popping up here and there. And, of course, we reported on one that was happening uh, for an eight-year-old here uh, earlier in the show. Uh, stuff like that we definitely want to hear about. So if you've got something planned, uh, if there's a run like that happening, by all means, drop us a line and let us know what you got going on. Oh, and don't forget to uh, take your bail money with you. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's it for the show for this week, my fellow Jeeper. Until next week, be sure to consider supporting the show with your subscription by hitting the subscribe now button on our website. And as always, thank you for listening to the world's most downloaded Jeep podcast. Well, there we were. The moon was full. The candles were lit. The moon was bright, but she had stabbed me in the heart. Ah, oh, there is nothing quite like the attempted murder. <laughs> that's out of... Nine years, I've never heard that one before. The <laughs> voice of it. Podcasting since 2010.